If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life resistant, high performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high performance sofas and recliners are soft, on trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high performance furniture in store or online at Ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, the sixth episode of Scared to Death. Is scary that, number. I was just going to ask you, do you think that's a scary number? Or? For a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or is that, is, is that really, though, scary? Or is it just, is that something that we've made up? Well, I mean, I mean, you can make that argument for all all things that are, you know, like numbers or symbols that we've made up. But yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, what's the... I don't know the historical root, actually. I know yeah. the numerology, threes and sixes, various sevens. Do you know ones are the strongest number in the numerology? And my birthday is 11-11. So many ones. Super, super powerful. <laughs> I'm Dan. Hey, I'm Lindsay. And uh, hopefully you are about to get scared again. That's the that's the point here. Yeah, that's the goal every week. Mm-hmm. I'm every week, I'm more scared. terror. Every week, I'm more scared, and I'm <laughs> sleeping less. So it's good. It's good. It's working. And the reviews keep coming in? Yeah, I mean, I can't believe it. You guys are so generous to just get out there and give us your time listening to this podcast, and then you take the time to rate and review everywhere mm-hmm. that you subscribe. So please keep doing that. I know we keep hitting that every week, but it is really super duper important. Yeah, noted and appreciated. Yeah. Subscriptions, reviews, ratings, all of that stuff. And uh, and, we're, and I think we got better last week about getting a little quicker at the start of the show. We don't want to be robots. Yeah. And just immediately go in, but we don't want to like, you know, babble on and on and on. And on and on. And, and on, on and on and on. And on and on and on. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and final little quick reminder is just the, uh, yeah, again, people, you know, asked about the words to that opening sequence. Yes. That Sumerian ancient demonic protection spell. Mm-hmm. And those are in the episode description where you can find those. So you might want to start saying it before and after every Maybe. episode. Makes yourself, me feel better. Get yourself in that right uh, frame of mind to handle some terror. Ooh, what are we going to get into this week? I'm feeling a little uh. clumped. <laughs> uh, today's first of two tales is about an English woman haunted from the future, which will uh, make sense soon. Okay. Makes sense when we go into the story. Cool. Uh, second story is about the a ghost of a Kentucky man who murdered in life and many believe continued to murder in death. Cool. Like, th- that's a different kind of serial killer. Correct. Correct. Uh, a serial killer from the from the great beyond. Well, life and death, right? Okay. Life I'm and intrigued. death. I'm intrigued. Good, good. Both of these stories are intriguing. Well, I've got my fuzzy wuzzy unicorn protection socks on. <laughs> good. I've got good. my blanket. And my bubbles. All right, <laughs> let's let's get started. Uh almost always when someone witnesses some ghostly apparition, they assume they are seeing one of three things. Some type of demon or monster not from this world, possibly beyond our realm of understanding. Uh, a remnant of a previously very much alive person, the ghost of someone who had once lived, walked upon this world, but is now dead. Or some sort of psychic echo from the past. Some kind of you know trauma once happened, some event that caused 
you know, so much powerful emotion that the psychic energy of the event or experience has become somehow embedded in the surrounding land or structure. Okay. You know, like stuck in time, like a moment repeating itself. Mm-hmm. You know, people think that, like why they keep seeing the ghost oh, of the like same thing. Okay. Yeah, like something on a loop. It's just some, some traumatic event that just kind of the energy is stuck in an area. Okay. Well, this next unusual story throws out a fourth and really kind of also a fifth possibility. Uh, what if you, when you were witnessing an apparition, you are not looking into the past, but you're looking into another part of the present. Something happening, you know, in the real world, quote unquote, something happening, you know, uh, somewhere else at the same time or something happening in the future even. All, I'd never all thought scary. of these, I'd never thought of these possibilities before. Yeah, this possibility adds even more mystery to the already mysterious various possibilities of paranormal explanations. Great. An English author named Montague Rhodes James, known more commonly as M.R. James, still considered one of the best ghost story writers that ever lived. He died in 1936, and he was asked by a friend on his deathbed what his final thoughts were on the reality of the paranormal. And he said, think on it. Some of these things are so, but we do not know the rules. And I love they said we don't know the rules because that's what I've thought about. When people are like, oh, why are they just, you know, uh, turn on a light? Or why are they... We don't know, you know, if this is real, we don't know why the game is being played or if it is a game. We just feels like a game. Yeah, we see a thing happening, but we don't know the motive. You know, it's like, you know, that's what I interpret from him saying this, you know, is even when we see a paranormal entity, we don't really know what it is. We don't know why we're seeing it, you know, because I've never heard of a paranormal encounter. Where the entity sits down and just kind of calmly explains, <laughs> hey, man, this is why I'm here. This is hey, why I'm doing this. let's have coffee. Yeah, yeah. This is what, Any more questions? No, no. Well, we live in this dimension. There's none of that ever. Right. <laughs> so not knowing what these apparitions are, we have no idea what rules govern their existence. We don't really know any rules about the paranormal. We speculate as we try to explain the probably inherently unexplainable. So does seeing a ghost mean that we are seeing the remnant of someone who once lived but is now dead? Or could it be something else? Could we be seeing something currently alive? Just, you know, uh, maybe not in our dimension of reality. Could we be seeing a a vision of a future event, essentially the ghost of the still living? Well, this next story, really two stories along the same theme, presents these possibilities. Time now for the tale of Haunted from the Future. Our first of these initial two tales, uh, kind of two tales in one, takes place in England, uh, in Cornwall, in the early 80s. Uh, Both of these stories actually are from Cornwall. Uh, English author Colin Wilson, who died in 2013, published a book called Beyond the Occult in 1988. And in it, he talks about a strange occurrence that once happened to his secretary. One day, his secretary was heading off to attend a meeting at an office in the little Cornish town of St. Austell. She'd left late, was behind schedule to start the drive, and then once the drive began, she hit heavier than expected traffic. As the traffic slowly crept along, she became more and more frustrated, knowing any chance of making the meeting on time was slipping away. Okay, all very normal. Mm-hmm. This bothered her a great deal, as this you know, was an important meeting, one she really didn't want to miss. Soon as the traffic jam continued, it became clear that she just wasn't going to be able to make it on time. There's just no way. She started thinking about just turning back around, heading home, telling them that there was some kind of emergency at home, and that's why she couldn't make the meeting. But then she started feeling guilty about lying. She decided just to push forward and suffer the consequences. Eventually, she makes it to the office in St. Austell. Arriving so late, she completely missed the meeting. She's completely flustered, anxious, and tense as she's, you know, quickly walking from the parking lot into the office building. When she walks into the building, she runs into two coworkers on their way out to grab some coffee. And they asked her where she'd taken off to. And she completely misunderstood their question and told them, well, she missed the meeting because she'd been stuck in traffic. And then they were confused because they were certain they had just seen her in the building when the meeting was happening. Weird. Right? Yeah. One of them said, no, 15 minutes ago, we saw you enter, then turn around and hurry back outside again. (sighs) Strange. She told them this was impossible. 15 minutes earlier, she'd been, you know, still a long ways from the building, definitely stuck in traffic. But these men were positive they hadn't seen somebody else. They had seen her for sure. Both of them remembered seeing her wearing exactly what she currently had on, even though she had just shown up to the building. What? So what happened? Was this young woman so anxious and worried about missing her meeting that she managed in some way to telepathically transmit herself into the office? Did her thoughts of abandoning her trip and turning around to head home manifest in the way these guys had witnessed her come into the building, then turn around and leave? Very strange. I'm so confused. Also, if frustration and anxiety and worry can generate such a telepathic vision... Could something else, could more negative emotions like anger or hate, you know, do the same thing? 
This next story makes it appear as if they can. Uh, meet Beatrice Leite. Beatrice was born in 1927 in the little town of Redruth, also in Cornwall, England. She would claim that she and her two older brothers had a sad, unhappy childhood, raised by parents who didn't seem as if they ever wanted children in the first place. She'd say that neither of her parents ever expressed any love or affection for any of the children, only criticism and discipline. Beatrice grew especially close with her brother Lionel, and when her mother was yelling at her or when her father had just physically punished her, her brother Lionel would always be there to comfort her. His go-to, it's okay move, was to gently touch the crown of her head and let his hand slide down to the nape of her neck. That was his, everything is going to be all right, Beatrice. You know, little, little nice show of affection, the stroking of her hair. Well, 1939, at the outbreak of World War II, Lionel joins the Royal Navy and would no longer be home to reassuringly stroke his sister's hair. And then two years later, when Beatrice was just 14, she learned he would never be there to comfort her again. The older brother, the protector she'd worshipped, was killed when his ship was attacked by a German bomber. She was, of course, completely devastated. So sad. Adding to her sadness was her parents' response to the loss of her brother, or more aptly, the lack of response. They just didn't seem to grieve or care about his death. So weird. And her parents' unwillingness to express any sadness over the loss of their son and her brother made the tragedy that much worse. Yeah. And then her growing despair was driven to an almost suicidal level when her second brother and remaining sibling was also killed just a few weeks later. Oh, no. His ship sunk by enemy German planes. Once again, her parents outwardly expressed zero grief. And worse, they expressed no compassion or sympathy for her grief. She'd gone from having two siblings to none. Neither one of her parents seemed to care. A short time later, late one night, Beatrice decided she couldn't carry the burden of her sadness anymore, and she decided to kill herself. (sighs) But then something magical happened. As soon as she made up her mind and was prepared to go through with it, she suddenly felt her brother's touch. She suddenly and distinctly felt his hand upon her head, gently stroking her hair down to the nape of her neck. She felt the pressure, the familiar pressure of Lionel's touch, a distinctly comforting physical presence. And she knew it was her brother. He'd come from the great beyond to convince her to not join him, not like this. Her despair melted away enough for her to find the strength to keep living and move forward with her life. Okay, good for her. Mm -hmm. And as soon as she left the cold home of her parents, you know, life got a lot better. Five years later, 1949, she married a kind man that she'd go on to have children with. She began to put the pains of her childhood and the loss of her brothers behind her. Life was good. And then in 1961, something very strange and sinister happened. Oh, dear. Beatrice awoke suddenly in the middle of the night. Her senses instantly clear and she felt danger around her. She was immediately aware that she and her sleeping husband were not alone in their room. Something ominous was with them and then she saw exactly what it was. There, at the foot of her bed, stood the slightly stooping figure of an elderly woman. A woman with bushy hair, frail limbs and an evil, menacing presence. Hmm. The figure looked so real at first, Beatrice didn't think she was seeing an apparition. She thought she was looking at an actual woman who had somehow gotten into her home, a woman who wanted to harm her. She wanted to say something, to do something, but she was frozen with fear, and the figure said nothing. It just looked at her from the darkness, hatred emanating off of it in waves, and then it started to move. Never taking its dark, shadowy eyes off of Beatrice, who remained frozen, This human-like creature slowly walked from the foot of her bed around towards Beatrice's side. With each small, shuffling step, its hatred grew. Its menace increased until the face of this dark woman was only a few feet from Beatrice's own. Finally, Beatrice cried out, but the figure remained, and her husband didn't hear her. Oh, no. The face of the woman inched towards her own as if it would soon open its mouth and devour her. Beatrice closed her eyes and began to pray. For a moment, she felt its breath upon her cheek, foul, hot breath, and then she felt it no more, and she no longer felt the weight of its presence, and when she opened her eyes, the woman, or whatever it was, steadily faded away (sighs) and suddenly was entirely gone. And for years afterwards, it never returned. It was just an isolated incident, soon to be written off as nothing more than a bad dream. For years, nothing else paranormal or sinister in any way happened to Beatrice or those around her, and eventually she forgot all about this nighttime encounter with God knows what. Eight years later, 1969, Beatrice's father dies, a man she had rarely visited since leaving home at the age of 18. 
out of much more of a sense of duty than out of love, for she had no love for her mother, Beatrice allowed the elderly widowed woman to live with her and her husband and their three children. Uh-oh. Her mother wouldn't stay long. She was still the cold, cruel, critical, unaffectionate woman Beatrice remembered from her youth. If anything, age had hardened her further, and she seemed to actively dislike her own daughter, and she didn't seem to have any love for her grandchildren either. Beatrice's children would ask her what was wrong, and what was wrong with her grandmother. Why didn't grandma like them? Why was she so mean? Beatrice and her husband considered putting her in a nursing home, but Beatrice pitied her mother. And then one night in 1970, Beatrice's mother did something that would remove any feelings of pity or sense of duty from her daughter's heart and mind. Beatrice awoke to hear a faint shuffling outside her bedroom door in the hallway. When she got out of bed and looked into the dark, quiet corridor, she initially saw nothing. Yet she felt a growing sense of uneasiness. And then suddenly, she remembered the strange apparition that had stood at the foot of her bed and terrified her nine years earlier. She didn't see this apparition now. She felt it. She knew it was near. And then looking down at the end of the hallway, she noticed that her daughter's bedroom door was standing open even though she remembered closing it that night after putting her young daughter to bed. Beatrice sensed that someone or something else other than her daughter was down there. The woman from the foot of the bed. Before seeing her, she knew that thing was in her daughter's room. Beatrice hurried down the corridor and then in the faint glow of light coming through the landing window, she saw it. She saw the same gray shape standing silent, standing now at the foot of her daughter's bed, identical. The same outline of the body, the same bushy hair, even the same slight stooping posture of someone in the later years of their life. Everything was identical to the figure that had once stood beside her bed. Beatrice slowly walked forward into her daughter's room. She apprehensively stretched out a hand to touch or grab whatever this dark entity was, do whatever she had to do to get it away from her child. And then she was shocked when her hand made solid contact with the real body. Yep. This was no apparition. It was a real flesh and blood woman. Beatrice quickly turned on the bedroom light. Once the room was lit up, she so clearly saw who the figure was. Of course, it was her mother. Her mother! Once she saw her so clearly, she couldn't believe she hadn't known it was her before. Oh, my God or some type of astral or psychic projection of her mother all those years ago. Strangely, her mother didn't react to the light being turned on. She seemed like she was in some sort of trance. She continued to creepily stand over her young, sleeping granddaughter's bed, gazing down upon the young, innocent girl with nothing but hate in her eyes. (sighs) And then Beatrice's mother turned and slowly looked at Beatrice herself with that same hatred. Beatrice said uh, nothing as their eyes locked. And then after a brief, uncomfortable moment, Beatrice's mother slowly turned and shuffled back towards her room, never saying what she was doing, why she was there, what her intentions were, never saying anything at all. How weird. Beatrice herself would never learn her mother's intentions. Uh, Would she have killed her own daughter? Or at least tried to? Would she have... Why would she stand there like that? Why did Beatrice have a vision of this happening almost a decade before? All those questions would remain unanswered. After staying in her daughter's room the rest of the night, Beatrice was so unsettled by the experience she went to visit her doctor the next morning, who quickly talked her into putting her mother into a home. Yeah. While Beatrice spent a few days looking for that home, her husband added locks to the children's doors. After Beatrice's mother was placed in the nursing facility, she and her family never, or Beatrice and her family never visited her mother again. Oh. Her mom died six months later. Beatrice never again saw her ghost. She would, from time to time, still feel the reassuring touch of her brother. How weird. Right? Weird shit surrounding Beatrice. Is Beatrice a conduit? I don't know. I don't know. But that is such a strange story. That one was, uh, this was one of these stories that I thought about not doing at first, but of the stories we've done in the past week, and I got the chills, I don't know why, it just really creeps me out. Just the thought of this menacing maternal presence, like supposed to be your mom. I I think that's part of it. It's like supposed to be the person who is there to comfort you the most, really, traditionally. Yeah. And then, like, just so weird. Like, why would she hate her fucking kids so much? But maybe the mom was always possessed. That's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, is that there's, like, something wrong with the mom already. Right. That there's, is, like, there's always something wrong with her. Right. Like, prior to her having the kids and all of that, it's like, yeah. maybe there were other instances of other things that because her mom was closed off, Beatrice never was able to have those conversations with her. So right. maybe her mom always was being followed by something. Yeah. Yeah, just I, it, yeah, that, that story just still—I don't know why—still gives me the chills. Look at you. Yeah, just, it, it's just the fact that if she saw her, right, and and uh, and she saw her from what I understand from the story, it, it's not like when she saw her in the first vision that she looked like her at the time. She saw like a future, future. version 
of her mother, more stooped with age. Right. Her hair, like she made a specific note, like the frizzy hair. So I don't think it was frizzy before is what I would, you know, uh, kind of assume in that situation. Sure, sure. And then just to have her, her to have that moment of like, oh my God, this is exactly what I saw at the foot of my bed. I, that's what got me. Because like at first you were telling yeah. the story, I was like, okay, fine. Okay. And then like creepy lady, mm-hmm, got it. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as you said the thing about like, and down the hall, I was like, oh shit, that's mom. That's right. my mom. Right. Right. But then like, okay. It's an odd tale. An odd tale. But also, don't you think people have premonitions? And I guess that's what this kind of opens you up to, you know, if you're going to go into the paranormal and the unexplained, it's like, you know, if you're going to believe in the possibility of ghosts, what else are you going to believe in the possibility of? And I guess premonitions would fall. I've never really thought that much on it, mm-hmm. but I mean, a lot of people claim to to have them and, right. and, and, you know, are sure or certain that what they saw earlier has now come to pass. Well, yeah, and I think if you take it kind of from a religious angle, right. prophets, right? That was their whole right. job to sort of predict the future. Uh, people like, okay, in modern days, not that it's not also an yeah. old thing, but people go to um, psychics like they want to know the future they're curious of what's going to happen yeah I used to see a psychic quite regularly she completely predicted the end of one relationship the end of another relationship Mm -hmm. and you coming into my life at which point I stopped seeing her because I didn't want to (laughs) know I was happy and you know that I'm more skeptical than you on these type of things but but I will say like I've said uh, you know uh, I haven't said in a few episodes but uh, you know with with prophets I do think that most of them you know, when I've researched them for other things, do not seem to be credible. Sure. But just takes one. Right. That's the thing with all of this stuff. It just takes what it's like, you know, of all the people that supposedly had premonitions, could, you know, could one of them been absolutely legit? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Could several yeah. of them absolutely? I mean, I don't, we don't know on those things. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, uh, yeah, just taking that profit angle, you know, that's generally yeah. predicting good things, but why couldn't you have a premonition about a bad thing? Right. You know, like, uh, I don't know. Sometimes you just get like that feeling. Okay, we talk about like, oh, you walk into a room or a house or you're yes, out somewhere. Yes, I do believe in that. Right. How, I, so I have, this is just I have one. Reads. Right. That's just yeah. one step further of like actually seeing something unfold. Right, right. That intuition thing. I mean, I do have that in general in my past when I'm uncertain about someone. You know, sometimes I try and talk myself out of it. Yeah. But generally something happens later. I'm like, yeah, knew it. Right. Knew it. I, I knew Bob part- was a bad guy. Right. Never should have worked with Bob. Never should have, <gasps> you know, done this. Never should have, you know, dated whatever, you know, like whatever. Well, you shouldn't have. <laughs> but there are, or, or just, yeah, never should have associated with. I mean, there's those sayings. Yeah. That I, and I tend, my gut, if I listen to it, at least with, you know, tends to steer me right. Right. So where does that come from? Yeah. Right. And, and what if that, like, became something more right exactly and you know like you'll have a dream and then something will happen later and you're like oh that feels like deja vu right is it deja vu yeah is it deja vu because you had a dream or was your dream a premonition of something to come maybe i don't know and some of that stuff is so hokey like I, yeah yeah i mean i I definitely think that i would say most of the people in those areas are con artists completely full of shit oh yeah i went to seattle in the past couple weeks with one of my girlfriends oh yeah you said you had a bad one Oh, yeah, this guy who shall remain nameless. I'm sure you could Google it and figure it out because I don't really know who like the leading experts in that yeah. world are. But this guy, he gets Dr. up on Phil. Shh, I said no <laughs> names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he gets up on stage and he is, you know, he's going to perform this whole thing. Well, and he was on stage. There was multiple well, it, was, it was in a church, actually, ah. which was random, but it wasn't like oh. a traditional church. Anyways, so uh, there's like 200 people and... Uh, he says, like, okay, I'm going to explain how this all works. But the the, yeah. the basic thing is, like, he'll start talking to the spirits, and then he'll say, like, okay, does somebody here have a memory, blah, 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 an old man with a brown tweed coat, and then, like, you know, it's like people... like John Edwards st- crossing over type thing. I, I don't know. I've never watched yeah, it. Yeah, it sounds like it. And yeah. then eventually, like, it gets narrowed down to one person. Yeah. It felt like complete malarkey, just absolute and utter nonsense. Everything he said was entirely vague. It could have been anybody's grandpa right. or, like... And all these things. But the Has best, anyone here lost a grandparent? No, the best yeah, part to me, course. babe, was like, he goes, I used to be on Broadway. I'm like, you just gave yourself away. You're a fucking performer. I used to be. Yeah. What a weird thing for like, why would you want that from a medium or something? Right. I used to be on Broadway. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I just, I just felt the need to say that like, yeah, there are definitely people out there that. Yeah, you, that we're aware. Yeah. And you're like, okay, come on. But then I think like yeah. there are people that kind of fly beneath the radar. I've had. People come up to me in department stores. Like I have one very specific memory of being in a Macy's in LA. Yeah. This woman, mid middle aged, like well put together, didn't look crazy, like she was shopping, like a completely normal person, walks up to me and says, "Excuse me," and then puts her hand like on my forearm, and she goes, "I don't know if you believe in this stuff, hmm. but 
your aura is so bright and so wow. clear. There's so much good energy around you. And then just kept talking to me about like how I was so bright and and like all these like different things. She didn't give me like a card. She wasn't wow. soliciting business. What is one of the weirdest things ever? But that's, it felt good afterwards. Yeah, she could do like positive things. That's, oh man, that's so different for me. Cause like for me, every few months, it seems like I'll be in a grocery store, I'll be somewhere, and, <laughs> I don't then, just, believe you. and then just like a small gypsy woman with like gla- glossy white eyes will just point <laughs> Shut at me, up. will just point at me and be like, You are of the devil. You are of the devil. <laughs> I was like, ah, that lady again. I've been following you. <laughs> uh, uh, couple, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. A couple <laughs> pictures of this last story. Okay. Yeah. Take me there. Um, this first one is just, this is the author. This is a little nod to him. I He's guess. very distinguished looking gentleman. M.R. James, uh, you know, well known for tales of ghost stories. Many, again, many people consider this guy the best ghost storyteller there ever was. I mean, I don't know who he is, but. I, I don't either, but I, I I need to get more familiar with him now. Apparently, yeah, he's he's uh, he's, a, he's a big wig in the world of ghost stories. Okay, uh, and then this next one is this is Saint Austell. Just uh, I just thought oh, it was it's just, beautiful. I love yeah, little Cornish town in England where the story is set. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least the first one. This is where the secretaries run into her office, and the other one. That was far. so weird. I know that was just yeah trippy. Where two different guys were like no 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 we just saw you. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love stuff like that. Just it's strange like out of body, yeah, extraterrestrial like feeling. Projected astral projected somehow or consciousness somewhere. Yeah, very strange. When you say astro projected, I have a different thought. What do you think of Astroglide? Do you really? <laughs> Immediately, I'm like, why? That's a terrible. <laughs> she anal lubed her way straight on to the office. But she just got glossed up and <laughs> she, she just, just lubed her way up to the office. Lubed her way, lubed her way through traffic. Lube and tube. Lube and tube. This <laughs> this next picture. I'm sorry. I tried to find. I just wanted to Google oh. evil old woman. Oh, I couldn't that's find. That's all you got. Me. Yeah, but this lady's evil. Is she? I, yes. You know, this lady's actually a serial killer. This is uh, Dorothea Puente, uh, or Punte, Punte, P-U-N-T-E. Puente. 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 But there's no E. But, uh, Dorothea, either Punte, Puente, or fucking punt face. Uh, serial killer who ran a boarding house. Killed- She's got elf ears. <laughs> she does. She does have elf ears. She ran a boarding house in Sacramento in the 80s. Oh? And basically, like, uh, they think she killed around 25 people. What? Yeah, like homeless guys. Should get life, life, life insurance scam. Kind of like a modern Bell Gunnis. I was just going to say Bell Gunnis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well. Uh, and then this last picture is what I thought of when the story talked about astral projection. This, yeah. That's from Insidious 2, one of the scariest horror movies for me. That, that deals with astral projection. But man, those creepy ass faces. But that's Insidious is the... Is the um, horror the, franchise. The um, What's in... Uh, Ed and Lorraine, right? No. No, that's Conjuring. Yes. Insidious. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the one that the boy I sw- astral projects, and then he's out of his body, and then all of a sudden something else goes into his body when he's gone. Oh, I don't remember, Starts but I don't think I want to remember. Ooh, it's, a, it's creepy. It's a creepy one. Yeah, okay. but uh, but, th- but this story reminded me of that. So she looks like I a found creepy that ass fucking clown. Oh yeah, they're, the one they're, all the way to my right. Mm-hmm. Their their smiles are not natural. Why is that so scary? The middle face is like God dang it. When the smile is just fucked up, it's too much. Yeah. Da-da-da. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yes, that's exactly the look. That's exactly the look. Okay, okay. Are you ready for our next story? Yeah. I, sorry. I, I don't, are you creeped out now? Yeah. You know. Why are you creeped out now? It's like just one of those stories. Like the more you think about it, I know. Right now, it's creepy. It doesn't hit you at first. It doesn't. It doesn't. That's why I was like, ha ha. This is fun. And I'm like, wait. What if somebody from the future comes right. to haunt me? Yeah. What if my mom shows <laughs> up in my bedroom? <laughs> no, thank you. Oh my god, that is such a terrifying thought. Terrifying. Like if my like like an. 10 years later of my mom staring me at the foot of the bed like she fucking hates me? Yeah. Yikes. No, I- thank you. Icaramba. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Icaramba. That's, that's, <laughs> I've never heard you say that. Icaramba. Icaramba. That's what like a scared Mexican lady from the 50s says. Well, maybe that's who I am astro. <laughs> astro gliding? Maybe, you got, maybe a little small Mexican lady from the 1950s oh astro glided its way we've into gone, your soul. We've gone off the rails. We have. Okay. Let's, get, let's, let's get back refocus. to our spooky town. Okay, spooky town. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers? A candle? Some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. 
Aura Frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura Frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Scared to Death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Scared to Death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking, and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Uh, the next story is our first scared to death tale of a revenant, a spirit that has returned from the dead for revenge or to at least wreak more havoc upon the living, a furious, angry entity lashing out against a world it's not done with. Okay, so a dead person who comes back. Mm-hmm, for, okay. for revenge. A revenant doesn't have to be a ghost. It can be like there was that Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Yeah, I got where confused. Or just somebody who's like, nah, f- the, like singularly, singularly focused on revenge, basically. Okay, okay. But, but sometimes it does apply to a spirit. Okay, okay, I'm with you. Uh, ghosts, for many of us, are naturally scary. They don't need to do anything other than to just be seen to send chills running down our spines or turn our dreams into nightmares. Scarier than the ghost people happen to see are the spirits that seek to do us harm, spirits that lash out, spirits that leave bruises and scars. We talked about that last week a little bit, the kid with the bruises. Scariest are the ghosts who kill. For whatever reason, it seems to be uh, some spirits are more malevolent than others and that some have the terrifying ability to reach out, not only frighten, but to inflict death. These spirits aren't just slamming doors and turning TVs on and off. They're actively assaulting, sometimes killing people. These are the ghosts that tend to infiltrate the worlds of TV and film. The ones who don't just scare. The ones who murder. Despite their prevalence on screen, there aren't really that many stories of homicidal apparitions out there in real life. But there are a few stories out there. This is one of them. Is it urban legend folklore? Were the characters in the story even real? Who knows? We never know on Scared to Death of any of this is truly real. We weren't there. There are just stories floating out there in the world, on the web. Some stories have aspects that you can verify through newspaper articles, obituaries, other historical records. Sometimes you just have a story. You can choose to believe it or discount it. Today we have one of those stories. Okay. A story that's been floating around for a long time, for many years. A story that a lot of people do seem to believe. 
You ready for a story of a vengeful spirit of a killer in life who became a killer in death? Time now for the tale of the ghost of Carl Pruitt, the Chain Strangler. It was an otherwise quiet night in 1938 in Pulaski County, Kentucky, a rural county south of Lexington near the Tennessee border, when a carpenter by the name of Carl Pruitt was heading home after a hard day at work during a hard time to make a living in America. Tired and hungry, Carl was excited to find his loving wife cooking dinner, welcoming him with open arms as usual. It was what he looked forward to each day at work. A warm meal and a warmer embrace. His boss had shut down work for the day about an hour early, earlier than normal, and he was looking forward to the extra time he could get to spend with his wife before he had to go to sleep and prepare for his next shift. Pruitt walked in the front door of a small home. He didn't see his wife anywhere. He also couldn't smell anything, odd considering he was only an hour early. And then he heard them. He heard his wife's voice in a male voice coming from what sounded like his bedroom. <gasps> oh, no. Making sounds that can only mean one thing. He made his way to the bedroom, opened the door, walked in on his wife having sex with another man. <sighs> For a moment, he just stood there, slack-jawed, standing in shocked silence. No part of him ever saw this coming. He thought he was happily married. How could she do this to him? Why would she do this to him? His shock quickly turned to rage. The sick feeling in his stomach was giving way to the feeling of blood boiling in his veins, while the man with Carl's wife sputtered out apologies along with his wife while they both struggled to throw on their clothes, Pruitt lunged for them. The man was able to dodge his grasp, and then he basically threw himself out an open bedroom window. Oh, dang. Carl went to chase him, but his wife grabbed him by the arm, begged him not to kill her lover. Pruitt was hurt and enraged. His wife was his whole world, and now he felt like he didn't even know who she was. He wanted to catch the man that had destroyed his life. The man who has just destroyed him, you know, to beat him to death, but he was long gone. He turned the corner after jumping out of the window and Pruitt knew he'd never catch him. So he took his rage out on his wife. In a fit of madness, he grabbed a chain that was laying on the floor and after hitting his wife several times and knocking her to the ground, he wrapped the chain around her neck, squeezed as she gagged and struggled to loosen its grip as she flailed about, clawed at her husband, he only tightened the chain. And slowly but surely, she fought less and less as the chain cut into her skin, falling first unconscious and then, of course, into death. What had happened? Just minutes earlier, Carl had been looking forward to a hot meal and a long hug. Now he was holding his dead wife in his arms after murdering her. Realizing there was no undoing what he had just done. Realizing that only either a long prison stretch or execution awaited him. Overcome with remorse and also with grief for the future he had just killed, Pruitt took a pistol out of his nightstand, said his goodbyes, and promptly shot himself in the head. Oh, man. He was now as dead as his wife, but his story just getting started. In the aftermath of this vicious murder-suicide, the dead wife's family understandably, understandably, demand that the couple not be buried together. They had no interest in seeing the tombstone of their daughter's killer every time they came to grieve and pay their daughter respects. So Pruitt's body was buried far away in another town, separated Mm. from the love of his life. Away from his wife, who up until his final moments he loved madly, and away from the bodies of his own family and anyone else he might have known from town. And in this new cemetery, he would not rest in peace. In the weeks after Pruitt's burial, visitors and caretakers both noticed that his headstone had become strangely and quickly discolored. Hmm. Rings now appeared to be almost etched into the stone and interlinked as if to make the shape of a chain. And then there was the grass. The patch of lawn covering his grave also uh, began to show strange chain-like shapes in the form of the grass dying. Odd dead patches of lawn in the shape of rings that overlapped each other like a chain began to appear. This new chain allegedly got longer and longer over time, eventually forming what some thought to become a cross. Oh. All of this, of course, uh, piqued the curiosity of the locals. More and more, they came to look at Carl's grave, the grave of the man who'd become known as the Chain Strangler. Mm Mm-hmm. Soon, morbid curiosity seekers from all over the county were coming to get a peek at the lawn around Carl's grave. They came to see the headstone itself, and no one could explain what was causing the chain-looking phenomena. Of course, with so many people pouring in to examine the bizarre scene, it was only a matter of time before someone came along to deface it. Late one night, local tough guy, local kid, teenager named James Collins, rode his bike to the Pruitt grave with a group of friends on their bikes. Well aware of the spooky stories surrounding the grave and the headstone, James defiantly lobbed a large rock at the headstone, which chipped a piece off of it, much to the amusement of his laughing friends. 
James laughed about how scared everybody was of the chain strangler. Oh, no. Made remarks about how he'd like to see Carl try and strangle him. Other remarks about what a coward Carl was to strangle a woman. All kinds of similar, you can't hurt me, I'm too tough type comments full of teenage bravado. Then a few minutes later, when James and his buddies are riding home, James's bike begins to inexplicably pick up speed. Faster <gasps> and faster. His friends see a look of terror on his face as his friend is yelling, I'm not doing this! Stop! Stop! Help! And after that, he quickly loses control of his bike, crashes into a tree. Bizarrely, as James is flung off of the bike, the chain flies off as well, <gasps> wraps itself around his neck. His friends would later say it looked like an unseen force pulled the chain tight and strangled him. No way! Also after his friend's death, when his friends went to look at the grave of Carl Pruitt later, they claimed that although they had seen, clearly seen, James chip the headstone with the rock, now it didn't appear as if it had ever been damaged. Sufficiently freaked out, none of them would ever visit his headstone again. The story of the chain strangling young James Collins becomes the lead story for the local rumor mill, with everyone attributing his freak death to the vengeful spirit of Carl Pruitt, the chain strangler. Young James's mother was one of the many locals who became convinced that the ghost of Carl Pruitt indeed did kill her son. It was no simple bike accident. One night, in a fit of grief and fury, after a few drinks, she takes an axe to the cemetery, goes about trying to smash Pruitt's grave. She would claim to have caused serious damage to it, telling friends she'd smashed the asshole's final resting place into a thousand pieces. Several days later, she too would die mysteriously. James's grieving mother was outside in the backyard hanging laundry when she slipped and became ensnared in the clothesline, which then somehow wrapped around her neck. Her head suspended above the ground, her feet kicked out behind her, clawing futilely at the lawn. She couldn't get the traction she needed to stand back up, and with no one around to help her, unable to cry out, she quickly strangled to death behind her home. Oh my God. Dying with her eyes open, a look of fear frozen upon her face. Her death further fuels rumors about the power of the vengeful spirit of Carl Pruitt, the chain strangler. Adding to the fear are reports of the clothesline actually being a thin chain <gasps> rather than the usual rope or no wire. Way. Also, although the axe she had used to smash Carl's headstone was found dented up, and it looked like it had been dented and chipped due to striking rock based on the fact that it was covered in rock dust, Although everyone claimed that she had used it to destroy Pruitt's grave, the headstone itself was reportedly found to be perfectly intact. Oh my gosh. Not even a scratch on it. Now, two strangulation deaths have been attributed to one vengeful ghost, and the deaths don't stop there. Oh man. Not long after the death of James Collins and James Collins' mother, a farmer familiar with the story was passing by the cemetery in a horse-drawn carriage with his family. Again, it's a long time ago. Uh, as he and his kin passes, uh, pass Pruitt's headstone, the farmer begins to boast that this whole story is a bunch of nonsense, a oh, bunch of bullshit. No. To prove to his kids there is no ghost, there is nothing to be afraid of, he draws his pistol and fires at the headstone. Oh, dear. He supposedly hits it several times, sending chunks of rock flying, starts to laugh at his kids, who believe the legends, are begging him to stop. At this point, story goes that the horses suddenly panic at the gunshots, or something spooked him. They launch into a mad dash. His family manages to jump to safety as the farmer tries to hang on, trying to rein in his horses and get them under control. When the horses careen around a bend at a dangerous clip, the farmer is thrown from the carriage, and in the process, his neck somehow gets caught in one of the trace chains. Now, these are chains used to attach horses to a wagon to pull it. Some say the farmer's neck was snapped and he died instantly. Others say he was dragged further down the road by the horses and strangled. Once again, Later inspection of the headstone shows no signs of damage. The farmer's death, of course, whips up more talk, more rumors about the cursed grave of Carl Pruitt. Yeah, of course. Three strangulations now. Not counting the strangulation of Carl's wife, uh, and people start to stay away from the cemetery. But Carl's spirit, not done. Two local police officers, during a slow night at work... Go to the grave to get some pictures. Oh, come on. They want to take some photos of themselves, being tough in front of the grave, laughing at how silly the whole thing is, you know, how worked up the locals are about this nonsense, not believing for a second that anything paranormal was involved in the death of the farmer, James, uh, the farmer, James Collin, or James Collins' mother. As they're leaving, thoroughly convinced that all the Carl Pruitt chain strangler talk is just nonsense, just spooky campfire tales, a strange ball of light starts following their patrol car. <gasps> The cops, now starting to get more than a little creeped out, try to speed away from the ghostly light, and at some point, they lose control of the vehicle. 
The car shoots off the road, smashes into a fence, and while one of the officers is thrown to safety from the vehicle, suffers only minor injuries. The other not so lucky. A chain used to lock up a gate on the fence catches him on the neck as he flies out of the car, not only breaking his neck instantly, but nearly decapitating him. The officer who was killed allegedly was the one who had suggested taking the photos and was the one laughing about the whole legend while they were at the cemetery. Another coincidence? Or the spirit of Carl Pruitt, still enraged over the romantic betrayal that immediately preceded his death. I just got the chills too. I know. The death of this police officer really cements the idea for many in the area that Carl's grave is truly cursed, haunted by a bloodthirsty ghost. But of course, many of us human beings, as skeptical and curious as we are, not everyone is convinced. One such person not convinced was a man named Arthur Lewis. Arthur had long scoffed at the story of the curse of Carl Pruitt, claiming it was all a bunch of silly rumors, a bunch of myths. One night, he goes out to the cemetery to try and prove it to his friends. Lewis tells everyone he meant to destroy the grave once and for all, end this nonsense. Goes out to the cemetery to find Pruitt's headstone and take a hammer and a chisel to it. Dude. His body would soon be found dead at the cemetery gates. It appeared as though the chain from the gates had been used to strangle him to death. His eyes were still open, wide as if something had scared him to death. His hands, forearms, and clothes covered in rock dust. Hammer and chisel found next to the headstone itself, also covered in dust, no sign of damage to the tombstone. Some folks who lived near the cemetery would say they heard the bangs of his hammer hitting the chisel, and then they heard a series of terrified screams and the sound of running. They heard someone yell, no, 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 please, please, just, and then it was abruptly cut off. They called the police who discovered Arthur's body. After Arthur's death, it seems as if the locals finally would leave his tombstone alone. But what about it now? Do brave souls still visit it? Is it still perfectly unscratched? Well, it's no longer around. Oh. In the 1950s, a strip mining company purchased the land the cemetery sat on uh, after the old cemetery had become basically an abandoned, weed-choked place that no one used anymore, no one took care of, you know, or dared to go inside any longer. Locals with family buried there who still lived in the area moved their loved ones' graves to new cemeteries. Carl's headstone remained. No one wanted anything to do with it. The mining company dug it up, uh, the remaining graves, somewhere in the process, Carl Pruitt's headstone was lost. At least that's what the legends say. Most of them. One version of this story is that a collector of occult items and artifacts purchased it, and that he too was soon found strangled. Oh my god. An erotic auto-asphyxiation attempt gone wrong. And then the tombstone fell into another collector's hands, someone rumored to have hanged himself. Jeez. After that, it was locked away, a slab of stone sitting in some inconspicuous storage unit somewhere, waiting to kill anyone who crosses the afterlife path of Carl Pruitt, Kentucky's chain strangler. Yeek. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah? You like that one? Yeah. I just like that it kept Ooh. going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, a crazy, like, legend there or whatever it is, a real story where it's like, yeah, I kept thinking, like, okay, now it's done. Right. <laughs> and supposedly, and... You know, if that could happen, I do get the curiosity, you know, like when I was a teenager, if, a, if okay, in Riggins, it's a little cemetery, if, if somebody would have, you know, oh, yeah. died after some crazy murder and the local rumor mill gets going, and then I hear that somebody else, is, and then they also get strangled. When I was 16 or 17, I can see like getting riled up with some friends, but come on, dude, let's just go dare do you it. Too. I dare you to. Yeah. I dare you to. You know, Ugh. let's get some, uh, before we talk about it, um, I do have a picture of Carl Pruitt. Okay. So that's, you know, that's supposedly the dude. Uh, Fine, normal. Yeah. I mean, and he wasn't, you know, before that last act, there doesn't seem to be any uh, history of him doing anything terrible. He right, just snapped. Right. Snapped when he saw his well, you know, wife with somebody else. Are you going to do that to me? You strangle me? If you, I'm not yes. going to. I'm not going to, but well, would you? if you do, I will. All right. Okay. It's documented. Okay. <laughs> uh, erase that from the record. Carl Pruitt's uh, the cemetery he was buried in is gone. Here's a pic of an old cemetery from Pulaski County to at least kind of set the stage okay. for the, the area and what it you know may kind of look like. Creepy. Yeah. Creepy old rural cemetery. Those yeah. uh, those tombstones. I've seen that a million times where they're kind of just uh, eroded partially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, they just, just the weren't well constructed in the, be- yes. in the first place. Right. Probably not a very, um, uh, probably a poor population. True. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I uh, couldn't find any many pictures uh, about this story. I, I uh, this next picture just I wanted to find something else, and this just cracked me up. This next okay. one, I, I googled Satan murder, and this guy came up. Oh, ooh, does he have that like weird oh. tongue split thing? He does. His tongue split. He's got like uh, some seven, devil seven, tattoos. Seven. Yeah, it looks like seven. I think it's up, upside down six six six, which looks like nine nine nine. I know. It looks like it's nine nine nine. But uh, uh, I was just that so tongue curious. Situation. 
Yeah, interesting. This is a 25-year-old David Pate, South Carolina dude, sentenced to life in prison for stabbing a 33-year-old guy roughly 40 times. Yikes. Yeah, rough, rough guy. But uh, but yeah, this again. The tongue. The tongue. Okay, that's really gross. (laughs) And this story just happened so long ago that uh, not a lot of pictures from anything. But man, but crazy, spooky story. Yeah, Um, I mean, do you think that you can come back from the dead to... uh... Well, that's why, you know, I, well, he didn't come back. I don't want to say he came back from the dead because no. it's not like he took on a new form. It's just like, it just sounds like his energy. I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to try a fancy word. Okay. A malevolent spirit. Did I, like, I use that right? Yeah. Malevolent's a great yeah, word too. That's great. One of my favorites. I mean, words. Know, I am good at words. <laughs> I mean, this is one of those things where I just think, okay, if, if you're going to take the mental leap and choose to believe that entities are out there, yeah. that they do exist. Yeah. Uh, and let's say you take a little further leap. They can interfere with the physical world in some way, any way at all. Okay. They can turn on yeah. a light. They can turn off a light. They can Ugh. change yeah. the temperature. They can do... I think it would be weird to then make a hard rule and say, yeah, but they can't do anything more than that. Especially in a situation oh, like this. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Especially in a situation like this where it's not like um, he was showing up as something that could be documented. Yeah. I mean, the closest would be that ball of light following the police officers. And that was super creepy. Right, right. Right? Like, where did, what was that? Was that him? Yeah. I mean, probably. I mean, I think about that with like accidental deaths. You know, there's uh, tons of accidental accidental? deaths. Right, right. It's like, you know, you, there's just no way to prove that every single one of them is truly an accident. There's some like force of energy doesn't doesn't shift the person because you know you hear those stories about like oh they they felt like they were pushed by an entity they right, felt like right. something touched them and again I'd say like well why stop there why can't it go further but it is interesting there's there's really not many stories out there like this about a spirit coming back and killing someone right about a spirit or multiple people but that. I guess, but I guess why would there be because let's say you go into who some, could report it because who could report it if you go into some creepy house let's say there's like a murder suicide yeah and which you know <gasps> happens very much yeah go ahead yeah I was just gonna say there's no way to prove that it's the last their last moments. Something didn't invade their minds, yeah. You know, and, that's and take fair. them over and and cause that to happen. You just yeah, we'll never know. When I was practicing real estate for one hot minute, yeah, there was this house that was for sale, and I had a client who really wanted to see it. And we couldn't figure out what the deal was. Um, it was just here in Post Falls, Idaho. Yeah, and you know, it had like the sign on the door about do not entering or what have you. So I was like trying to call the city and figure it out. And then I started talking to neighbors and they said, oh yeah, that guy lost his mind and killed his wife in there and then Uh, killed himself. And I I never was able to get to the bottom of it, but something very strange happened where I was trying to dig this guy up. Yeah. (laughs) That that was not good terminology. (laughs) I was was in the backyard with a shovel. Where's the body? Don't, don't, don't. I was, yeah, that's how you dig. You're rowing a canoe? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's a weird holes you're digging. I, okay, how do you want me to, like this? Yeah, yeah, push it down and then Do you the know dirt. that I hate yard work? I do. So my shovel use is about this much. Non-existent. I've used a shovel. Have you used a shovel? Yes, remember when we planted all those plants in the backyard last summer? All those succulents? I did all of that. You used a little spade. I used the big shovel down okay. at the bottom. big girl shovel. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, when I was trying to find out about this guy, because I just got really curious, I kind of couldn't yeah. help myself. Um, I started with like Googling and looking things up, and then I found an ex, what I thought was an ex wife or an ex girlfriend and or a family member. So I'm, I start calling people. I'm like, hey, like I'm trying to find the son of, because I guess the house was bequeathed to somebody else. Got it. Right. Okay. So I'm like going down this rabbit hole, and I get this woman on the phone eventually, and she's like, I don't, I don't remember this guy's name. Yeah. Robert was the worst. I'm so fucking happy he's dead. Yeah. And like she went on this like kind of crazy tirade about he was terrible, he was abusive, he was this, wow. he was that. At, at that point, I stopped calling people because I thought like sure, sure, I sure. do not want to dig up emotional scars for people. Right. But listening to that story, my mind kind of went there where I was like, oh my God, what if that guy was dead? What if I, well, I mean, he was dead, but right, like right. what if I was conjuring up his, his, his dead essence, spirit? His spirit. His, his deadness. His deadness. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, do you believe then that these things, I mean, uh, could kill from beyond? I mean, I kind of feel like I agree with you or that you could, you, you right. can't be such a, a fool to say that like, oh, a shadow person can show up right. and, and hang out in your bedroom. Uh, you can feel spirits here and there and everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, a light switch, something right. gets knocked over, uh, you feel a touch or something. Yeah. How come all of that can happen? And we're afraid. You know, I was thinking yeah. back to um, the um, 
the story that we had, I cannot think, just like two weeks ago with the shadow person that chased yeah. that couple uh, in Lisbon. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing that says these things can't be... Right, they couldn't chase you or touch you or harm you. Right, right, right. Just because you think you can see them and they can scare you doesn't mean they can't reach out and touch you. And if they can touch you, why can't they kill you? Like, why can't it go? Yeah. Similarly to like, you know, we always say like, if it could be bad, it could also be good. So people will say like, um, you know, I was in this car accident. It was horrible. I saw the light and God told me to go back or whatever. You know, it's like, well, if it can save you, can't it also kill you? I know that's, yeah, that's the other side of this. That if, uh, yeah, there can be like good things that can happen. If so, if anybody believes in like good, it's like, well, then I think you'd open your mind to the possibility of the bad too. Right. And on the the cemetery thing, this is random, but um, would would you have defaced the headstone? Like, uh, no, I I have a weird, do you have a weird respect thing with that? Because I know a lot of people do. Like, I do. do, Are you one of those people that will not walk uh, where the person's buried? Like, like they say, like in front of the headstone, like you won't walk on the lawn there? This is, did you not watch the Instagram video that we did in the cemetery? Oh, I, I I know of it. I saw, it, but maybe I, I, mean, I guess I didn't watch the whole well, it's thing. It's just so funny. Maybe you're having some weird. Um, maybe I did see it. Now I'm remembering. Um, yeah, because I was saying exactly that. I will not. When I was a kid, I got very weirded out. Like a lot of people okay. died in yeah. my family, like in a right. very short period of time. And so, you know, I was in like the fourth, fifth grade, and I was at funeral homes and cemeteries like a lot. Yeah. And I just became obsessed with the fact that I would, if if the headstone was here, sure, then I would walk down and around like i would do these weird like uh centipede kind of moves okay you know? okay funny I, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah i, I know and, what you're talking about and now i mean now as an adult i think i understand more that it's you can't help it i mean cemeteries right. are not symmetrical you know it's yeah, not like there's these yeah, straight yeah, rows yeah. so you'd be as respectful as humanly possible but right. um no i would never ever deface anything of of the deceased. Oh, okay. Yeah, my gr- my grandma talked about to me. Uh, you know, Grandma Stell, Grandma Betty. Oh, grandma I was Betty. a kid about you know don't walk in those spaces. Because well, maybe had, somebody told me that. Because I had a weird relationship with a, a cemetery when I grew up. Because I never went to a funeral uh, during my childhood. Okay, yeah. Never saw you know dead body and that kind of stuff. But I did. And I think this is probably. Have you odd. never seen a dead body? No, not ever. Not, you, not once. Do you know that I once found a dead body? I'll what? tell you. I'll tell you. Carry on. Okay. Is that, How do I not know this? Like, why would that ever come up? That's a, what do you mean? Why well, would that it's, it's never not, come it's up? Not as, it's not as exciting as it sounds. When I was, oh, it's not like a stand by me thing where it's like out in the woods. Oh, you find... no, 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 no. Uh, when, uh, when I was in high school, my parents were divorced. In order to like pay the bills, we had to have a newspaper route. And right. so we had to deliver papers. You know, it's early in the morning. Sure. And we had these two apartment buildings. I, I don't want to say because sure. I, I think they're still there yeah. in Parma, Ohio. Um, and I was, they were apartment buildings for older people. Okay. And I was going into a building at like, you know, 4.30 in the morning and a man had died in the lobby. Oh, wow. And, and I found him. Oh, yeah. No, I did. You never it told was me that. Yeah. awful. I bet. I, it, well, also, and like I was 16 or 17. Right. And I'm, it's dark out. I'm in a parking lot. I'm by myself. And then I just see this body. I was just immediately terrified. You go touch him or anything? I think that I like stood next to him and tried to do like, hey, how like... And then I think I called my mom freaking out, was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then we called you're the cops. You're supposed to, uh, I, I don't know if you're, what your mom told you, you're supposed to like flick their balls. <laughs> like, like you go little... like a flick and then that way just to make sure they're alive or not. <laughs> That's what I've been taught. And then I delivered newspapers in that apartment building for years to come afterwards and I hated it. Oh, I bet. After I hated seeing that. It. It was so. It was so sad. That would, yeah, that would creep me out. That would be, yeah, because I've never had that encounter. And uh, you've never been to a funeral with an open casket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, nope. That is so weird to me. I've been to so many funerals. But when I was a kid, the cemetery thing, I used to play in the cemetery. That's weird. Uh, yeah, in Riggins, it was like Why? it was like a second park. We what? Didn't, there was the park, there was a football field, and then there was a cemetery. And when I was little, that was the closest. And my grandma- You're so fucking weird. She would get so embarrassed, but she said later, years later, but she would take me up to the park because I wanted to literally just play in the cemetery. And I was, I was just <laughs> run around the tombstones. There was an area where there weren't tombstones yet, and I would just roll in the grass. Oh, my God. Yeah, I literally, like- uh, uh, one of my playgrounds as a kid for for years was the Riggins Cemetery. Great. Do mm-hmm. you feel like you picked anything up there? Do you ever remember any? That's what I was trying to think of with this story, like uh, you know, messing around in the cemetery because I would go up there but at you night. Were being sometimes disrespectful too. though, were you? Mm, yeah. So I, I would like walk over, you know, the graves. I wouldn't care because I, I related to the tough guy kid. Where I'm like, I would do that. I would like, well, fuck, I'm step where I want. I don't. But then I would get a little spooked. I'm like, what if something grabs me? Right. Which right. Just normal little. But you scares. weren't like going in there and like defacing things or like intentionally like stomping on graves. Like, oh yeah, buddy. Oh no, for like a year, I used to jerk off on all the graves. <laughs> 
<laughs> kidding, kidding. <laughs> Did it, I get you kind of for a second there? Well, for a second, because and then in my mind I was like, I hope Grandma Betty sees us. And then I realized she doesn't even know what YouTube nah, is. Like, know she oh my God, that would if I wouldn't have said anything and Grandma Betty watches and she's like, that's some, I took him up there. And <laughs> that's what he does? That's what I was taking that's him to jerk he... off? How weird. <laughs> no, no, no. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, when you die, do you want to be buried, cremated, oh. put in the wall? I don't know yet. Is that the mausoleum? I used to think I wanted to be uh, buried because of my because uh, of my affinity. I had fun in that cemetery as a kid. Yeah, I, it was a good place. So I was like, I want my kids to be able to like come and you know dance say on hi. your grave. Yeah, dance on my grave. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think I want to be buried. I don't know. Hmm. You want to be cremated? And uh, no. You want to be buried? You used to be wanted to cremated. I, I don't know that I really care. I just think that like whatever we do, we'll end up with headstones or something in Riggins. Just okay. like knowing yeah. how important that place. There? Yeah, it's so important to like your childhood. And then I think that's the one place that like our kids and our nieces and nephews, everybody will come back to. Yeah. And like, you know, Papa Ward's my other boyfriend. So, okay. so I need to be, be buried close Riggins. to him. I want, a, I want a big tombstone there too. There's not a lot of Yeah, let's go real big. Okay. Probably, you know, a bit cheaper in Riggins. <laughs> Probably. Maybe some crazy scenes on it or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like just, weird, like ancient etchings on the sides. I just want to be naked, like a like a like a big carving of me naked. Maybe a statue, like a statue of David, with but, like but a of me. giant. Yeah, but like a much bigger dick than David's. <laughs> I knew, I knew that's where we were mm-hmm. going. We, we You're so predictable. Oh man, I'm old, oh, I'm old man. news. I'm old news. Now you had some uh, things you wanted to share about things that are scaring you before oh, we bounce yeah, out of here. Before we get out of here, so uh, we recently. Uh, sorry, my nose is so itchy. I've been meaning to tell you. Yeah, there's a demon in your nose. <laughs> yes. Um flies are there anything is there anything to do with flies and spirits because if you if you get a fly in your nose you have no more than a week <laughs> no, left that's to live not what i mean oh i mean that recently no matter what <laughs> coffee shop i seem to be working out of yeah there's always a fly i think it's time of year okay because they're trying to get in the, the warm but okay. yes but there is that thing in certain stories uh i'm sure we'll do them here if we haven't already i can't remember now we but yeah but like flies like you know lots of flies in a room that's a common thing just, with, it's just one. As I wave my hand right in front, of, in front of your camera, I thought I didn't know you didn't. Yeah. Oh man, my nose really itches. Anyways, so I've been noticing this fly thing, uh, and then we had Ginger groomed recently. Mm-hmm. Our dog Ginger. Yeah, and like big fluffy baby. So depressed. So depressed, and so I actually kind of started to get freaked out. It wasn't a good grooming experience, which is not the story. She's just been lying around, and I've been getting emails from people that are like, "Oh yeah, like growing up, I thought there was something in her house, then one day my dog was just dead." Ugh. My dog became really sullen and depressed. My dog was angry. Like, what if Gigi's being strangled with a chain right now? Stop it! <laughs> I know she's not. She's not. She's fine. She's fine. Bad joke. I think I'm done. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's weird. But then, like. Um, at our house, things yeah. have been breaking at our house inexplicably. So our house is older, but the mm-hmm. appliances and everything in it are newer because we had to buy new appliances when we moved in. It came yeah. with nothing, right? Um, we have a washer and dryer that we bought in 2016, like a good model. And all of a sudden, the dryer is just on the fritz. Like it's like, yeah. that's crazy. The garage door broke, mm-hmm. had it fixed. And then it broke again. Mm-hmm. And simultaneously, producer Joe, his garage door is opening and closing for no reason. No yeah. one's pressing buttons, just like middle of the day, middle of the night, opening mm-hmm. and closing. Then also at producer Joe's house, his TV went on yep. in the middle of the night. Like mm-hmm. he has little kids. It's not like he has a teenager who left it on in the middle of the night. He's scared to death bringing things into this world. Yep. Yep. So weird things are happening. And I just, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not entirely convinced that it's coincidental. We'll see. We'll see how things go, uh, you know, going forward. And I know a lot of weird things are happening uh, to you people listening because we get yeah. the emails. Thanks for sending in your emails to the new email address. My story at scared to death podcast dot com. Good job. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it. Got it in there. Got it. Uh, we, we, and, and soon, 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 soon. Uh, I think in the next few weeks. Uh, we yeah. will start sharing those stories. Yeah, we just got to figure out. We just begin a footing with this, you know, with this uh, new show first. We don't want to switch it up on you too fast and then have you be mad at us. Yeah, I just want to be ready. Want to be ready. Yeah. I want to feel like this. You know, I got, got the storytelling thing kind of like you know a little more cemented in my brain. And yeah, so I'm just making sure that I say, I, I did say it right. All right, my my story. It's scared to death podcast. So send those in. Yeah, and if you uh, have any other questions not related to stories, mm-hmm. you can just email info at scared to death podcast dot com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on all of our social media channels, uh, Scared to Death Podcast on Instagram, yeah. uh, Facebook. You can find us on YouTube under the Bad Magic Productions channel. Mm-hmm. What I, else, guys? I think, I think that's it. I think uh, I had fun again today. I, I love doing this with you. 
Oh, uh, that's nice. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Oh, for I just me. want to talk about my sweater for one oh, second. Oh yes, you did want to address your sweater before we before we leave. <laughs> I know the guys don't care, but this is such a girl thing. You guys, this sweater is so cute. But this is not a fat roll. This is this is my sweater, and every time you sit down, it just like I can't even grab my fat. So just so you know, I'm not pregnant, and there's nothing weird going on under here. It's just a bad side angle sweater, and I think that my lady friends would appreciate that. If you're gonna address that, then I'm gonna address. If you can, if you can see me from the <laughs> side, that is for sure fat. That is not. Did uh, you suck it in first? That's as much as I can suck in. <laughs> no, I, 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 I meant before lost, you addressed it. No, did you suck I, it no, in? No, I, I didn't. Okay. And I've lost weight. But that is, just to be clear, that is fat. <laughs> that is for sure fat right there. Not not shirt. <laughs> See, mine is shirt. Mm-hmm. Mine's not. Mine's not. No, I'm glad, just bouncing my boobs on glad, glad we cleared all that up. <laughs> <laughs> that's all for today. Uh, thank you for listening oh, to Scared to Death, a Bad Magic production. Thanks to the Bad Magic production team, Harmony Camp on social media, Joe Paisley, producing and directing, Zach Flannery, soon helping out with production as well. Thanks to Joe Paisley, Zach Cohen, and Jeffrey Montoya for the sound beds. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Scared to Death Podcast, and subscribe everywhere you listen, including on YouTube, so you can watch us at Bad Magic Productions. Enjoy those nightmares. Get scared to death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.